difficulties. You know, this, our ambition and desire is to know Jesus and to make him known. And uh, in a way, it's, uh, to know Jesus and make him known is something that we want to be stamped on your hearts and your minds. Just as like a, um, a handhold, a, um, a sticky statement, a point of reference. What I'm doing now, is this helping me to know Jesus? What I'm doing now, is this helping me to make Jesus known to others? So you see, in one sense, it's a very limited statement to know Jesus and make him known. But it's a really good reference point. It's a really good anchor point. It's a point to be rooted. So when we're wandering off, I'm like getting lost in something. Oh, am I, am I, am I knowing Jesus here? Am I making Jesus known here? Quick. Wind back into him. To know Jesus and to make him known. It's a shorthand for a, a load of truth that, we could, that you could write whole books about. To know Jesus is to love him. To know Jesus is to love him. To love Jesus is to obey him. To obey Jesus is to become like him. To be like him is to make him known. To know Jesus is to love him. It's, the, it's God's love language is obedience. To know him is to love him. To love him is to obey him. To obey him is to become like him. To be like him is to make him known. As we continually choose, deliberately and intentionally choose the way of Jesus in any circumstance and situation of life, we can choose other ways. The choice is always there. The power is within you to choose. But we want to be those that choose the way of Jesus, to choose Jesus himself, to know him in the middle of the storm. And when we talk about knowing Jesus, we are talking about knowing the Father, Father God, Jesus the way to Father, knowing the Spirit, having a full relationship with the one true living God, to know God, to have intimacy with him and to experience him. As we continually choose the way of Jesus... We will be refined, we will be shaped, we will be saved, we will be rescued, we will be healed. We need to choose him and keep choosing him. And when you've chosen him and then something else comes along to tempt you to stop choosing him, refer yourself back to the decision you've already made. Choose Jesus, choose to know him and be with him, to become like him through our words, through our deeds, and through our being. Our very presence can bring Jesus to a circumstance and situation. We're unique. Each one of us are unique. And so we need to ask ourselves in situations, what would Jesus do? And we can refer ourselves back to Scripture to, to the Bible and find out what would Jesus do in these situations. But then we're here today, here and now. So 
What would Jesus do today by his spirit? And then what would Jesus do here today by his spirit in the uniqueness of me? Because sometimes it's not as easy as saying, what would Jesus do? Here's, here's what the Bible says. Sometimes we're in situations that are dark and difficult and we don't know the answer. And we can make a good guess, what would Jesus do? But then we need to be not just reading the Bible, but in that place of intimate union with him, seeking the spirit. What would Jesus do in and through me? Because what he might do in and through me in my uniqueness might be something different in you. Now, I'm not trying to be too like airy-fairy here, but there might be a situation, and for you, the right thing to do would be to write a letter. For someone else, it might be to have a phone call. And for somebody else, it might be to go and visit them. So I mean? And so, writing, I mean, Jesus didn't write a letter. Jesus didn't make a phone call. He did visit people. So you could go, oh, no, I mustn't make a phone call, write a letter, because what would Jesus do? See what I mean? I don't want us to be silly, but I do want us to be discerning and wise. What is God saying to me, through me, in my uniqueness? of my relationship with him and the person that he's made me. Do you get it? And so we want to live like that. So Bible says this, we, we, maybe some of us will know this, John 3.16, God so that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then Jesus is recorded in John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, the one true living God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. So the good news for everyone is that they can have eternal life. And often we talk about eternal life as going to heaven. But the Christian faith isn't about getting a ticket to heaven when you die. And so when you die, you get your ticket and then you go to heaven. It's about knowing him now. Eternal life starts now. Eternal life, union with Jesus and the Father and the Spirit is eternal life now. So this body will die, but my spirit will live on. Because it's, it's about the quality of our relationship with him. Not, not our um, knowing stuff, but our knowing him. Knowing Jesus is the most important thing. More important than everything else. We can be heartbroken about circumstances and situations, about loss and about death and all of the other stuff. But the important thing is knowing Jesus and making him known so that other people know him too. Because that is what true life is about and that is what eternal life is about. And we need to be utterly convinced of this. We need to be thoroughly transformed, converted, changed into thinking that knowing Jesus is the most important, greatest thing ever. There are things 
situations, circumstances, people that want to stop that. Okay? So that's what I want to just briefly look at uh, now. So um, actually, we, so if we can have Ephesians uh, chapter 2 up. So what can stop us and what comes against us? So if God is saying the most important thing for us is to know him, is to know him, and to know him is to love him, and to love him is obey him, and to obey him is to be coming like him. If that's the most important thing, then there are loads of things that we think are really, really important that aren't in the same league table. Okay? And so it says this in Ephesians chapter 2. Bring Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 10, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Um, So, it says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. I haven't got an NLT with me, Jill, so I can't carry on. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as he's shown in all he has done for us who are united with Jesus Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So if maybe, I'll tell you, maybe what might be really good, if you're going to take Jesus seriously, is bring a Bible with you on a Sunday morning. Open up your Bible to the passage. doesn't matter what version it is, but have, have a Bible and, and read it and follow it and look because th- that will bring about transformation to you. There are some really simple things that we can do and reading the Bible is one of them. Okay, Reading the Bible is, is a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline, and it's also 
spiritual warfare. Because there's somebody who doesn't want you reading what we've just read. There's somebody who doesn't want you to take in what we've just read. There's somebody who wants you to be distracted in this moment. There's somebody who wants you to be thinking about your soup or something else or being distracted and, and getting annoyed that there's a little and making a noise. Well, we don't need to be annoyed about that. It's not a problem. All we need to do is focus our listening, our hearing. That's all we need to do is tune out the noise, the background, and hone in. We need to do that. We need to practice that in life. If we're going to truly hear and discern the Spirit of God, we need to learn to tune out all the other white noise. I'm not saying that voices aren't important. There are times that we do need to listen and we do need to pay attention. But if we want to hear the Spirit of God in the busy, noisy times, we need to practice in the quiet times. So I'm going to read the passage again. I'm going to read it from the New International Version this time. It won't be up on the screen. Um, if you've got a Bible, bring one with you. If you haven't got a Bible, uh, ask me and I'll give you one. If you've got a phone, I don't mind you using it, but it's not the same. The phone is so distracting. It's full of lights and colours. It's bright and shiny. It's got the internet on it. There are so many motorbikes to look at. So we need help. Help me, Jesus. He goes, oh, well, there was a printing press. So I've done that for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, this not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we see in this passage, if we look at it, that there are things that are coming against us Things that want to stop us knowing Jesus and making him known. Things that want to come against us reading our Bibles. Things that want to come against us praying. Things that want to come against us fasting. Things that want to come against us serving. And they're in here, all three of them. It says this, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. So everyone say sin. Sin is at work in the world. Sin is at work in this world where we live. And we're told that there are ways of this world. So sin is at work through the world that we live in. I'm not talking about creation. Okay? Creation that God's made for our enjoyment and our health and our well-being and our food and our clothing and our protection and our shelter. God 
has made something and he said, it is good, very good. People and a place for them to live. But there is a fallen worldly structure, a worldly viewpoint that sees things completely opposed to the purposes and plans of God. They're opposed to God's thought. They're opposed to God's will. They're opposed to God's way. So these worldly systems where sin is at work in a worldly system that we live in, that we operate in, and so this worldly system has got an operating system that wants to cause us to live in it and with it, and it's all to do with sin. So sin being something that is opposed to what God wants, a powerful force. And when we start knowing Jesus, when we are intimate with him, when we experience him, when we know the Father, when we are knowing and experience the Spirit, we find we've got a completely different operating system to live by, the way of Jesus. And we start thinking about things differently, about people differently, about the way we speak, about the way we drive, about the way we buy. Everything changes. Now, it might take time. There are those things that change really quickly, but there are other things that take time. And, and part of the time is the time it takes for us to come to our senses, to recognize that we need to cooperate with God. We need to agree with him. We need to embrace his truth. We need to disagree with ourselves and what our mum used to say or our uncle used to say or our granddad. And rather than having them lead our lives, we have Jesus leading our lives. So we live in a world and there's a way of the world and we follow it. When Jesus comes along, he says, I'm calling you out of the world, out of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, into my kingdom of light. Come follow me. I will make you. I will shape you. I will change you. I will make you to be the person that I originally wanted you to be when I created you. And this world has got in. So there's a worldly system that wants to stop you knowing Jesus. What else is there? So there's a worldly system, and then there's the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of, who is now at work in those uh, are disobedient. So we see that there's the devil, the, the Satan, uh, the evil one. There's a personification of evil, a created being that is at work. So he's at work through sin, through a worldly structure, through other ways, supernatural ways, but also through our sinful nature. All of us also, that's verse 3 on NLT. It might be more uh, simpler reading. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So there's a sinful nature. And um, it... It bothers me. Okay, so let me just... So there's the world that we live in, there's our flesh, our sinful nature, and there's the devil, because I'm going to be running out of time soon. So wherever I get up to, I will end. Okay? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And they use the power of sin, or sin uses them. I, you know, there is powerful 
work going on to stop you and me putting Jesus first, putting Jesus centred, putting uh, Jesus in a place that we really know him and live with him and walk with him. Okay? And so we need to recognise, we need to wake up and recognise that we are in a spiritual battle. And that spending time with Jesus, spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in fellowship with other believers, spending time in fasting, other things, is spiritual battle. There is a war and you can simply wage war against the evil in this world by getting close to God, of drawing close to God. doesn't have to be anything more fancy than that. That's powerful when we draw close to God because God's presence and God's power will be work in us and through us, even when we don't recognise it, see it or know it. If we are willingly putting ourselves in his way, he will work in us and through us. And so we are not to be those that love the world. We're not to be those that gratify the cravings of our sinful nature. We're not to be those that just look at, at this world from the worldly viewpoint. We are seated in heavenly places. So even though I'm standing here on earth, where am I also? In the heavenly realms. I've access to God. I've access to the throne room of heaven. So we are not animals in the sense we're just fixed on the earth. We're not angels that we're heavenly beings. We're, we're humans. That means we straddle. What a privilege. We straddle too that we are heavenly and earthly beings. We are made to walk with God. We are made to know our creator and make him known. And so he invites us to come and meet with him and know him. And these things, which I won't go into now, but maybe next week, the world, the flesh, and the devil, it's all through the pages of the Bible. You'll find it everywhere. They are conspiring against you and against me. So whoever you think your enemy is, if it's a human being, if somebody's naffed you off, if someone's upset you, if someone winds you up, if someone, they're not your enemy. They're someone to be forgiven. They're someone to be loved. They're someone to be ministered to. Your enemy, if it's a human being, it, that is not your enemy. Your enemy is the enemy. The enemy of this world, the devil, and of your sinful nature. So we need to know, am I living and, in, and encouraging my sinful nature in this particular conversation and situation? Am I, in this moment, am I knowing God and making him known? Or am I really knowing myself and making myself known? God wants us. He wants relationship with us. He wants us to be utterly saturated and soaked in his presence so that we know him and live with him and make him known. This world needs Jesus. And Jesus has decided to use us as his body to walk on this earth, his hands and his feet, and make a heaven of difference. He wants to use you and me. We're not a spiritual Sunday club. We are the body of Jesus Christ 
he is the head. He's the head. So he should be determining what we're doing, what we're saying, where we're going, and how we're going there, and what we're doing. Jesus is Lord, but there is an enemy, and there are schemes against us. And so next week, I'll speak a bit more about that. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord God. How we need you, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that you would help us in our weakness, in our frailty, to lean upon you, to trust in you, and to give ourselves to you. That we would fully know you as we are fully known by you. Oh, Lord, draw us closer to you, and may we uh, cooperate with that. That we would be a people that know you and make you known. And Lord, I pray that you would wake us up. You would help us to be alert of all those things that are coming against us in our, in our personal lives that are coming against us. Lord, we don't want to be fixed on this world or on our sinful nature or on uh, the devil. We want to be keeping our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus. And so may our passionate desire to be more about knowing you than anything else. May we be as as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents, we pray. Help us, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.